I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited to be talking about the wonderful new season of The Other Two. We are joined today by cast members Helena York, Drew Tarver, Molly Shannon, Ken Marino, Case Walker, Brandon Scott-Jones, and Josh Segarra, as well as creators and showrunners Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider. And, and Chris and Sarah, starting with the two of you, I was interested in how you went into this season and really found what level of success you wanted to give each of the characters because they're all on such different trajectories within their own storylines and narratives and wherever they are at any point influences so much of their internal struggles their journeys with self-validation um, and so much that we then see play out in the show in terms of the emotional trajectory so I was interested in how you looked at the external circumstances to build those around them and then really flipped that into the internal journey that you're then in turn carrying out through the season. <laughs> No, Ken, you take that. It's a great question. Yeah, I don't. We started by being like, you know, season one and season two, we watched them be really scrappy and struggle and not get what they wanted and really like um, claw and, and scrape. And so I think season three, we were like, let's just have them keep winning and keep succeeding. And I bet you they'll still want more and still struggle and still have problems. So I think that's kind of where we started. Um, <laughs> Like even in the first episode, three years later, Carrie's movie finally comes out after, you know, so long. And in the writer's room, there was conversations about like, is it bad? Is it a dud? You know, and we found it kind of interesting to be like, no, it was good. Because then you're like, well, then what? What else? And you're like, it was good. And then I went to dinner and moved on and what was my, you know what I mean? Like that there's like, a, it, it's more interesting that it's good because then it made Carrie sort of be like, well, then what? That didn't, um, that didn't right. make me retire. Or, yeah, solve every hole in the heart. Um, yeah, and same thing with Helena, you know, her, her character was a manager and she's still a manager and she's as successful as ever. Um, but this season, her, her, the love of her life uh, became a nurse during the pandemic and a lot of people shook up their lives and decided to kind of reevaluate their priorities and am I doing the right thing with my one life? And I think she feels a little self-conscious that she's very successful and happy and doesn't feel bad about that. And so should she feel bad? Is she bad? You know, so I think we liked, um, yeah, we liked this season that they were coming from a place of success and we knew that we could still find um, dark holes to pull them down into. <laughs> I love that. And, and for One of you, them falls like... into a diaper, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate dark hole to fall into. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of Brooke, for you, Helena, you know, one of the things that I love about Brooke is how often, you know, she's she's able to be knocked down and she always kind of gets herself straight back up and, and is able to kind of like just move forward unscathed a lot of the time. But it feels like this season is kind of one of one of the times where she's kind of in a little bit more of that central ground with a push and pull within herself between do I stay in the industry? Do I leave the industry? Do I do good? What is doing good? <laughs> Um, and so I was interested in how that kind of gave you a slightly different space to play to if, if of what it looks like when she's not just immediately picking herself up. Um, I think it's kind of a universal concept to have a lot of self-doubt to kind of yo-yo um, on decisions you've made. Um, and that's what I love that she lives out. I think the thing about Brooke that's fun and I think I hope why she's relatable is that she's sort of like playing out and saying out loud a lot of stuff that we do, <laughs> or maybe I'll just speak for myself. Everybody here is obviously flawless and incredible person and doesn't do these things. Um, but sort of the idea of like, what is good? This person that I'm with, I know that this person is good and I, I must be bad. I, that must be, I must be making the wrong decisions. And, you know, I myself do that all the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, um, you know, to, to play in that space, to play this character just broadly, it's like, 
so gratifying and so embarrassing that this is written for me. <laughs> it's so, um, <laughs> so truly to me. <laughs> and with you, Drew, you know, one, one of the things with Carrie is it feels like he's someone who really struggles to be happy in the moment. So even though he's got this level of success with the night nurse coming out, you know, what Chris was saying of it is a good film and people are responding to that. He's still kind of has has to always like move the goalpost for himself and have something that he's yearning for. Um, and so what was kind of the new space that you were really finding in, in him as a character and the challenges that he's going through with the fact that he has kind of achieved what he's been striving for the last two seasons, but now that he has that, that's not enough for him. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, he definitely, like you're saying, struggles to be happy where he is and, and the things that he pictured uh, when he, you know, got the, the things he thought his dreams were going to be are, are turning out to sort of be that, but not quite right. And he's trying to control how they, how they're seen or viewed or how he's viewed. And I think, you know, the, he's, he's, he's kind of like in the earlier seasons humiliated a lot, but I do find that, it's even more humiliating for him this season to get what he wants and still be unhappy. Like it's such a sadder, deeper humiliation than like, Oh, I think, I think the reason I'm humiliated is because things are going badly. And it's like this season, it's like, okay, things are going well and you're still sad and sort of like falling on your face. Um, That was such a, I thought such a deeper layer of sadness and it was like fun to play such a, such a sad guy. <laughs> okay. So Drew is the one who falls in the diaper. <laughs> Drew falls in the diaper. I kind of, I kind of tipped the diaper there. Yeah. Alert. I thought it was going to be subtle, but it's clearly Drew. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We got specific notes from HBO Max. They were like, do not say who falls into the diaper. <laughs> you know, I say I saved one of the diapers and I have it in storage. Oh. No. What does that even mean? Drew, I know I, exactly what that means. Is in your is in your garage? It, there's a diaper in my garage that I wore for a whole day. Yeah. And now you have it forever. Are you gonna like put it in the academy, kind of like, the museum of motion pictures? You're yeah, like, they're I, like, I think they'll that? need this. I think they'll need this at LACMA. Right next to uh, Fonzie's jacket and Archie's chair will be your diaper. <laughs> Coming over to you, Molly, you know, it's it's interesting to watch Pat's trajectory in terms of having her own network and, and just this ab absolutely astronomical level of success, especially after watching the way that everything really just closed in on her at the end of last season and and what that level of stress kind of did to her physically and, and her just really wanting to come back to her central ground of, I just want to spend time with my kids and now being in a place where she can't even go for a walk without the airspace at JFK being cleared for her in advance so she can only go mm -hmm. as far as the swimming pool. Um, and I was interested in for you kind of how you found a slightly different emotional side of of everything that she's going through in terms of just this different level of success and the way that it's kind of closing in on her but in a very in a way that feels very different to season two with the chat show yeah I think that um yeah Chris and Sarah wrote her in a way where she almost speaks differently she's really come into she's really embraced her life and has come into her power and her strength as a woman and as a you know with an empire and a public figure 
So she's just savvier. So it was it was really fun to play because um, I've, I've never played a character like that before in my life. So um, I really enjoyed it. And right, like you mentioned, still at the end of the day, what's most important to her is family. And I think that um, Chris and Sarah strike such a great balance between like super funny and she says things that you would never expect her to say, um, but then still has heart. So I, I think they still kept that the core of Pat, which is how much she cares about family and not wanting to lose touch with her kids. Absolutely. And yeah. and Ken, for you with with Streeter, you know, he's obviously at a, a place of being really fearful for his, for his irrelevancy, being fearful that Chase is going to leave him as a client, um, you know, and as much as that's all an external thing in terms of, OK, is my client going to stick with me? Do I need to find a singing and dancing family that I'm not necessarily as invested in, but will will keep the cash flow going? Um, what what were some of the elements that you really found in him this season with that kind of constant striving to find relevancy for himself because it's also an internal self-validation that he's looking for in, in regard to that as well. Well, I mean, I, to me, he, you know, he just wants to uh, reassure uh, the people that he cares about that, that, that he cares about them. Like, I mean, I love that, that there's a line in the first, hold on a second, I'm like, on. <laughs> there's a line in the, uh, there's a, what, what, Sarah? There's a line in the um, first episode where he grabs Chase and he's like, you're so fiscally valuable to me. But he says <laughs> it in a loving way that it that sort of defines, I think, who <laughs> he is. He cares both about, you know, this family and, and where he where he where he's positioned in there, you know, in the dynamic of this family. And then he also is, you know, he's a businessman. And so um, it, I think it's an interesting he's he, he his relationship with. Uh, Pat this year uh, is uh, is is you know goes a little deeper and we've you know where 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 they go throughout this season is um, is uh, is is a is a fun journey for them and for him. And, and off the your question, did I black out there? <laughs> <laughs> I also He's really like <laughs> I also really like that your voice that your character is sort of the voice of like um, when Helena's character is like spinning out about the industry and what we do is fucking nothing and what I don't do I don't do anything that's meaningful. This is stupid and and you say at one point like after this dumb road trip, um, but hey, we had a time which I like too, that it's like, you, that's all, it, that's what it is for you. It's like, I had fun. Where it's like absolutely meaningless. You wasted a full week. Everything you did was for nothing, but I had fun with my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I mean, that's, sort of, that it, 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 that's yeah. a great way of looking at life. And I actually, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Streeter on that. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, that is my, but to get to do that episode with Helena was one of my favorite things to do. Just as a side note. Amazing. I love that. And Me too. <laughs> off the back of that, for you, Case, you know, Chase is kind of re-examining a lot of his interpersonal relationships as well because he's about to turn 18. People are literally developing vampire fangs in front of him whenever they hear that fact. You know, and he also likewise is like, is my team going to drop me because my album came out on January 6th and nobody even realized and I've moved so far away from music at this point. And so what were the shifts that you really saw in him with that space of, well, now that I'm not experiencing the same level of success that I was in the past, what do I mean to the people around me? Yeah, I think there's a question. I think a little bit of that. We see that in the first episode and his thing with Streeter is like, am I just not, you know, a good client anymore? Like, do you not what me? Um, I think that's in his head. And I think he's also realizing that like, 
people like he wants to be taken a little bit more serious like he actually cares about this stuff and he actually works hard and he's fine with his team advising him to do these crazy things but you know he he has a goal and he is in you know about to be 18 and that means something different to him than it may to his team like to everyone else it's like you know money and something they can capitalize on or, or you know sexualizing him because he's turning 18 um for the press but for him he's like no this isn't a joke like i'm i'm an adult now like i'm making decisions and we we get to see that a little later in the season um of of him kind of exploring that realm yeah and coming over to you brandon one of the things i love about curtis is how wholeheartedly he shows up for every single person around him but now that you know, we're seeing him land a role instead of Carrie. We're getting to see, well, what happens when his best friend doesn't show up for him in the same way? And that's kind of recalibrating their dynamic a little bit in terms of how he's feeling. And so for you, what what was what was the difference in terms of finding that dynamic of I've always been there for you and I'm starting to gradually realize that I'm not receiving this as much? Yeah, I think um you know, I think Curtis is is a guy that's done a lot of personal work that has allowed him to uh, love others a little bit more freely than 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 Carrie, and then this season you get to see his orbit a little bit more and the world outside of just his relationship with with Carrie as well. And I think that <clears throat> he really cares about his friends, and that if you're in his circle, like that you are family, and then that is something that he holds very very true and very very real. And I feel like he's considered Carrie. Carrie is his best friend and they were in the trenches together for so long. So I think that it's a real violation to him when maybe he doesn't feel it reciprocated back. And I think it's interesting because success is always going to, you know, change relationships or what happens when one person gets something that the other person wants or vice versa. But I think what's interesting is that like it's relative in this situation and that it's it's this thing that I don't think in his mind this would ever have affected the relationship on his end. But this because it's happening now, I think it's kind of it's kind of I think it's shaking his ground a little bit, which is which is was really fun, fun to play. Drew and I, we called we called those moments in this season the hard scenes because <laughs> <laughs> they were like these like very, you know, like kind of like come to a head at some point and i yeah, think it's we would like we would like text each other we'd be like i think it's three days until hard scene hard scene <laughs> that's so funny because it was the opposite for us because i remember at one point drew i said to you it is nice because we have all the hard scenes out of the way meaning like big set pieces and stuff like that and you were like no because uh -oh. i was like in my mind you two were just standing in the kitchen but you were like that's the hard scene that's, that's the, the hard, hard scene, scene. That's the hard thing. But it is, it's, it's really, it's, I don't know. It's been really nice. It's been really, it's been really cool. And I think it's, it's, it's where a lot of shows might have the instinct to get two queer characters together and romantic situation. This one's never followed into that path. Um, and that's the best because you can see that queer friendships can be just as complicated as the, like romantic relationships as well. And I think this one's really tested in that way. And it's just really cool. I'm just, I'm so lucky to have been able to get this part. I mean, Josh, I think similarly, Lance is someone who just, again, just really shows up for people. And he seems to be someone who really sees the things that other people don't love about themselves and finds everything that's absolutely endearing and, and worthy of love within those aspects as well. Um, and so I was interested in how that informs going into a lot of scenes, you know, particularly with Brooke, but also a lot of other characters where you're always kind of thinking, okay, well, how would he see this person? How would he see these traits that maybe aren't the best things about them, but he's gonna see it in a completely different way to everybody else in the scene and everybody, every other character that's there. 
it's actually a pretty freeing thing to get to play um, because, you know, you walk into every day and you get to start if, if we're using a barometer and 10 is most positive, nicest way to look at something, you get to start at a 10 every day and then kind of paint around those colors. So to play somebody like Lance, you know, it's been a real pleasure and it's been a lot of fun. And Helena is one of my best, one of my dearest. So I just love her to pieces. So also getting to play a relationship with somebody that you love you can have freedom to carve these two people out and try to paint them in a way that every relationship goes through. And they'll see us this year at a whole new level in our relationship. But with that comes its own pressures and its own dynamics. And I think that people are going to enjoy where Lance and Brookie Monster end up this third season, you know? It was always really fun on set because we would face situations that were so insane. And me and Drew would be, you know, like being Brooke and Carrie and like having Josh around, I would laugh out loud. I'd be like, Oh my God, of course Lance is responding in this way. It was like, we introduced the cases anyway, something. And he like gives him dap where me and Drew were just like, totally. <laughs> it was just like so fun because Josh fully inhabits Lance and um, makes choices and does things that are so different and surprising and great. And Yeah. It's like, he's such a beloved character. People always want to talk to me about him. And I'm like, but what about me? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Brooke response. <laughs> <laughs> I said that as Elena. <laughs> and, and Sarah, kind of coming back to the writing a little bit. One thing that's always so lovely to watch in the show is how whenever there's moments of conflict amongst the characters, it always comes from such a place of heart. And, you know, I was I was rewatching the the hospital scene from the end of last season. And it's such a beautiful moment because it's this family all really showing up for each other, but also kind of saying what they need from one another in order to keep moving forward in that moment. Um, and so I was just interested in in how you approach writing moments where there is conflict between characters, but it never feels like it's punching down. It always feels like it's it's like, I love you and I need this instead. That's good. That's Beautiful. nice. I mean, with that scene in particular, we we what we really just tried to do was build a season towards that where every character had a leg to stand on. And if you looked around the room, you could see where everyone was coming from. So no one was coming out of nowhere with, with some weird issue that you were like, what are you even talking about? You sort of saw that everyone had, had something to say and they were all valid. And so that's sort of similar to like, uh, we have some big fight scenes this season and you know, sometimes both parties are right. Sometimes both parties have a leg to stand on. Sometimes one party is clearly wrong. And we like those scenes to play like that because that's how it is. Not not everyone is always in the right. Everyone just has their point of view and what they're trying to say and what they're trying to put out there. And but what, what you're saying is true. It's all as long as it's coming from like a story we've been telling and it's rooted in what these people are actually feeling. That's the best kind of scenes to write. Those are always sort of like not the easiest, but they like oh, as long, they're, they're the like you've done the groundwork. And so then you're like, Oh, well, this makes sense because we've, we've set everything out. And so they're saying the things they would just say because of what we've seen them do so far. That tend to, that does tend to be how it happens. I, when you say like, I feel like we will really, yeah. I mean, cause we're really overthinkers, but we'll really think like comedy set pieces and ins and outs and, you know, lines to death and we'll overwork things. But like a lot of the fight scenes will kind of be like a diarrhea of the first draft of just what you'd kind of say if you were this character. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's kind of it. Like those are the ones that would kind of just are the least worked on probably um, in a fun yeah, way. And it feels fun as a writer, you know? 
your hard scenes are our easy scenes, guys. <laughs> yeah. So Honestly, it takes us 10, 15 seconds. You pop out. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, cut to like me and Drew in like a van, just like rocking back and forth. Like, okay, so I'm just going to, I might take an extra breath here. Uh, yeah, I know. I'll go with I, you. I'll go with so you. you're saying like, it is funny because I like the day that you have to like drop into a piss diaper, I'm pulling you aside being like, I'm sorry, are you okay? And you're like, oh no, this is fine. Tomorrow is what <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to emotionally talk to someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It also helps that everyone, I was going to say, oh, quickly, that everyone here is such an amazing, incredible actor that brings so much. So, like, we almost never run through one of these, like, scenes and are like, it doesn't work. Fundamentally, start over. You know, it's always (laughs) always the first time through is like, yeah. Which is why it's fun to write, too. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's why we write those big fight scenes partly is because we're like, oh, they'll just like fucking chew into this. This will be fun. Like, this will be good. We can like picture the person doing yeah, it. Yeah, so. here's a full page, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for the cast as well, in, you know, in, in speaking to the writing a little bit, there's really fantastic moments where there's heightened humor and you can kind of push the jokes in your performance a little bit further because it always is grounded in these really intimate spaces of the characters and kind of like, what's the truth to them? And then these really kind of beautifully crafted and nuanced interpersonal relationships that they all have. And I was interested for all of you in, in terms of how you worked to really find that, that tone at the beginning of making this show in season one of how far can we push the humor and the way that over the course of three seasons, it's almost like you can kind of go a little bit further and push those lines a little bit more because there's so much more emotional heart that we've gotten to know and learn in these characters over the time. Yeah, reading this season was, we got sent, they send us the third season and we read through it and we're like, damn, I can't believe they have faith in us to make this seem grounded and good and real. It's just like so fun that they took such big swings that you guys took such big swings this year. And um, they're all almost surreal situations that are, that feel so true. It's, um, it's like a gift. <laughs> yeah, I think like you you said it in that like all the groundwork has been laid, you know, to to take some bigger swings later in the seasons and and on into the third season to where you know, you don't you don't like peek out of the tone even though you're going really big, you in cer- certain moments uh everything has been super like uh, set in, in, in reality. So you're able to be like, I'm going to go huge in this moment. And I, the audience will go with me because it's, we've worked our way up to it. And they also know that you're coming back to the heart of it. Like that, that yes. you're not going to hang out up there too long. You'll yes. do it and you'll come back to what we all sort of relate to these real characters or real, you know, moments of, heartache or whatever yeah yeah there's like true heartbreak right next to full lols (laughs) i also think sarah and i talk about this a lot i really do think it is the performers too like because like i mean we really did a little bit not freak out but a little bit like season three is a little wild like i mean there's like turns invisible and no one can see her she goes to full space there's an episode that takes place in black and white there's like big crazy like fire sequences and prosthetics and like really things that we were like okay hold on is this two looney tunes or we got to make sure that things feel tethered and grounded and even in the edit we would be like oh is this gonna work because she was just at a full 10 
being psycho, how are we going to cut to Carrie and then cut back and now she's crying and we believe it. And we're like, we just do. It does. It works. It's like the, Helena and Drew and our whole cast just like play things real. So even if something is the stupidest thing you've ever heard, the whole cast just treats it as normal. And so it just feels normal. So the whole cast just is like, yeah, this is what's happening. And we're not, we're not being jokey. Um, you just go with it. And it's really just comedians who know not to like lean into the joke. Like also- yeah. This is such a specific thing, but there's, I don't know if you guys have even seen this episode, the black and white episode where Drew is like tenderly putting makeup on Dana Delaney. I always <laughs> example like that could have been over at Drew's playing that so straight and so sincere. It's so cringy, but it's really like a bad comedian could have overplayed that. But every just dumb ass moments uh. played as straight as possible that I think helps make the bigger swings. It protects the, it protects us as writers. Um, and we yeah. always say that in the room, like, like Drew will ground this or Helena will ground this. Yeah, fine. Like, this is Molly's big, like, emotional moment. Is it okay that she's in prosthetics? Yes, because, like, Molly, this is Molly grounding such emotionality, oh. even though she's in a full, you know, her her final scene. Yes. Hearing, when, hearing she leaves, when she leaves the bar at the end of that episode is devastating. Like and she's under, her, it shouldn't work. It, sh it shouldn't work. It, it should be it should be behind rubber, but it really it's yeah, it comes through. Behind, right? oh, yeah. Good, good. Every yeah, person yeah. in this cast except Jimmy Fowley is good at grounding their characters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's such a it's just such a testament to to the incredible work that you've all done on this show in terms of the writing and the performances. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of thank this. You. It's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate your time today. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you.